represent you are the love everlasting you are the God who never failed through it all your love never changes through it all there's nothing to fear your name will lift it higher your glory our desire your praise will sing forever our great God our great God oh no strength no power greater no to our Savior, you the name above all others, our great God, our great God, Whoa. You are life and freedom, we will live for your kingdom, for all the world to know your name. You are song for all generations our mighty god has come to save through it all your love never changes through it all there's nothing to fear your name will lift it higher your glory our desire your praise will sing forever Can we sing our hope? All our hope has been fulfilled, death in exchange for life. Perfect love has been revealed, our God is alive. All our hope has been fulfilled, death in exchange for life. Perfect love has been revealed, our God is alive. Come on, sing. Your name will. every other we 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 come here in this place and we praise you despite where our hearts are despite the things going on in our life and we claim as one we praise your name we love you and we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts in this church and everybody said Jesus bled and 
died for me I see his wounds His hands, his feet My Savior on That cursed tree His body bound And drenched in tears They laid him down In Joseph's tomb The entrance By heavy stone Messiah still And all alone Oh, praise, oh, praise the, name the name Of the Lord our God Oh, praise His name
Can we lift his name? See, he's faithful. Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. You brought me out of darkness, you have filled me with peace. Give her mercy or my help in time of need. Lord, I can't help but sing. Faithful. Faithful you are Faithful forever you will be Faithful you are And all your promises are yes and amen All your promises and amen Beautiful Savior You have brought me near You pulled me from the ashes You broken
God, you are, you are good. Your promises truly are yes and amen because they are true and because, God, we can believe your promises day in and day out. And, Lord, as we continue on this morning, I'm just, I'm just drawn to Paul's words in Ephesians. It says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. God, I pray this morning. As we continue on, we are not looking at you as the mascot of the church, but the head of the church, Lord Jesus. We sit under your authority. No man, no power, no politician. We sit under the power of Jesus Christ. And God, as we have just had moments of singing, now I pray we would have that moment of just peace in our hearts, knowing that we sit under your sit under your kingship. We sit under your authority. We do not sit under the authority of this world, that we are not slaves to the past or slaves to our sin, that you have set us free in Jesus. And that truth is, it's, it just brings a, just, it brings at a point of awe. And so God, we love you and uh, you are truly our great God. We ask all these things in Jesus name. Good morning, church. I just want to say, just just be honest with the people around you. How many of you have smartphones and how many of y'all slept in this morning? Just a couple minutes. Just be honest and real and just say good morning. I think my uh, my favorite comment, my favorite comment from the 9:30 was someone came up to me and they said, "Man, until you said something, I forgot that it was daylight savings time." And I said, "That tells me everything I need to know. <laughs> it's all good. We're glad you guys are here." And um, one of the things I just want to share is this last series has been so powerful, and I just know that God has spoke to you in in, in, in many ways. And so if you had a story that came out of this last series, we've just been so encouraged to share some of those stories with some people who are looking for encouragement. But if God spoke to you in that Nehemiah series, we'd love to hear about what God's been teaching you. You know, if you, you can email me, email the office, but 
or just it's just between you and God. But guys, it's been so powerful to spend time in Nehemiah. So I hope it's been powerful for you. And so we're excited about starting a brand new series this morning called I Am Jesus in His Own Words, going through all the I Am statements of Jesus. And um, the 9.30 and the 6 o'clock last night, they were powerful. And so we're excited about what God's going to do. Um, but I want to ask if you pass the folders down the aisle. We appreciate that. Also, if you're new, um, we just want to say we're glad that you're here. And if you do one thing as you leave, just check out the Welcome Center uh, as you leave. And they'd love to give you something for free and just hear your story. Um, but we're glad you guys are here. And, and we count it a privilege to share this space with you all. And so um, a couple things to highlight. One is that we have our next steps meeting on March 17th. And this is something for those who are looking from everything from getting my kids plugged in to serving, to knowing more about the church, to people who are over here who have been here for a while or been here for three or four months and are looking at making this church their home and becoming members of Crossroads. And so you can sign up in your bulletin or online. If you have any questions, let us know. But this is March 17th and there's free lunch, free childcare. It's after the second service in the gym. And so we're really going to, it's going to be a great time of connection and just having, uh, being a part of seeing people take their next step is a powerful thing. And we're really excited to be a part of that with your story. The other thing is we have our March Madness event coming up on March 22nd. And as a, a youth pastor and a forever youth pastor in my heart, I love these events because I believe God does something really, really powerful and unique. And so would you be in prayer? Even if you don't have students that are going on this trip or going on this event, would you just be in prayer that kids would bring, our students would bring their friends and that these students, friends who come would, would hear the power of God and would be changed by the gospel at this event. We're super excited about it. If you have any questions, you can email Pastor Eric. You can email him to the office. Um, there's more information up on our website, but this is March 22nd. There's actually some information in your bulletin as well. Um, so we're super excited about that. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. It was a receive this morning's offering. And again, just putting out our mission in front of everybody. Our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We exist for no other reason. We want to see people's lives changed by Jesus in Finleyville, in the city of Pittsburgh, and in this country. And God's on the move, people. That week we had no power. We had no, you know, we had no electricity. The power of God was at work. We had people that came to Christ that week. And so I'm so just humbled at the messing up of that routine for us. To like, to God just saying, hey, don't, the stuff you got going on, the programs, it's great. I'm always at work. And so we're, we're just humbled and excited about what God's doing here at Crossroads. Um, one thing, if you're new, feel free to let that plate pass. This is for those who call this church their home. You're more than welcome to participate, but um, we're just super excited about what God's going to do. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, we love you, and as we just read in Ephesians, we truly sit under the authority of Christ. We do not sit under the authority of man. We may uh, sit under the authority of man for a time here on earth, but we know that our true authority comes from you, Jesus. God, I'm humbled at what you've done the last couple services here and, and what you're going to do this time, this at the, at the 11 o'clock. God, I'm just I'm, I'm humbled, and, and just as we read your word and you just bring to life God, just what what you've done for us and who you are and how we can follow you and how we can take this message of hope to our communities, to our workplaces. And God, I pray that we would be just even thinking now, who is the one person that we can be praying for, that we can be pursuing, going after, and praying that you would save that person? Who is that one person? I pray we'd be already thinking about that. God, we love you. And as we give now to see the mission of your name made famous, Jesus, we know that you're at work even when we don't feel it, even when we may not see it, you're always at work.
and we are just incredibly humbled and excited about what you're going to do. Uh, we love you, Jesus, and we are uh, thankful to, to just gather with you this morning to spend time as a body. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Jesus asked the question, he said, who do men say that I am? And uh, people responded all different ways. Some people said that he was a good man. Other people said he was a prophet. But he asked, who do you say that I am? And he asked his disciples, he wanted to know, who do you say that I am? And what's really powerful is that the disciples had been with Jesus as he told them who he is. So we're going to look at who did Jesus say that he is. He went through seven, seven times he uses the phrase, I am, and, uh, and, he, and, he, and he shows us who he is. So over the next few weeks, as we lead up to Easter, we're going to take a look at who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus that we celebrate Easter upon? Uh, we, we know that he rose from the dead, but who is he? Let's understand who he is this morning. And uh, as we do that, John 6, 35 is where we're starting today. Jesus said this. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never, go, will never grow hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. So as we jump into this this morning, and as we take the next few weeks and we study who God is by his own admission, who does, who, who is he revealed to us who he is? We start off with the bread of life, and I want to give you just a, few, just a few thoughts as we begin here to remember, number one, that God is good. As we study this, you're going to find that God is good. He's always good, and, uh, and he's good even when things are not good. When your circumstances are bad, God is still good. We're going to see this theme throughout the I Am statements. God is great. I want you to understand that this morning. He has all the power. He has all the resources that the world would ever need, that you would ever need. They're all at his command. So he is great. And God is greater. God is greater than the enemy. He gives us the power to overcome. And so as we go through the I am statements, my prayer and my goal is that you will have a fresh encounter with Jesus. That you'll have a fresh encounter with the Almighty. Because that, uh, as you look through the scriptures, you'll find that there are many people who had a fresh encounter, who had, these, uh, who had an interaction with God, and God has given us uh, that ability today to have an encounter with him. 
One of the most famous encounters is that of Moses. Moses uh, was, an, was an Israelite that grew up in Pharaoh's court in, uh, in, in Egypt. And so here he was, and he saw his own people. He, at about the age of 40, he loses his temper. He kills a man, and he has to flee. He goes out into the desert, and he's out in the desert for, uh, for another 40 years. And so here at age 80... He goes out and he's just, he's just doing life as normal. He's just kind of in the in fugitive state out there in the desert. And, uh, and he comes up and he sees a bush that's burning and it's not consuming the bush. So he sees this fire upon the bush, but it's not consumed the bush. And, uh, and, and this voice begins to talk to him and he has this encounter with God. And what happens is as Moses has an encounter with God, he finds out who God is, and when he finds out who God is, he finds out who he is. You see, because when you start to understand who God is, then you understand who you are a whole lot better. Right now, you can identify yourself by any number of ways. Uh, you may call yourself uh, an athlete. You may call yourself a musician. You may call yourself, uh, you know, by, by whatever it is that you like to do. But God has a different way of, uh, of understanding you. God knows who you are. And so when you come to the I am, I want you to see this. Look here, uh, Exodus 3, 9. Um, and, and, and he and God are having, a, Moses and God are having this, this conversation. And I'll just give you, I'll just read to you a few verses here. God, cry, God says, now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing my people. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Um, listen, that's exactly where he was at. He, he hadn't really understood who God is at this point. He doesn't really get it. And so God says, I've got a plan for you. I want you to do something. And he starts making excuses. He says, who am I? Why are they going to listen to me? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that, that, is, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And so here's Moses. Moses tries to get out of the assignment. He tries to, tries to make excuses. You know, he, he can't speak very well. He, he gives every reason why he shouldn't be the man. And God says, I'm cho choosing you to do it, and, uh, and I want you to go. So, um, so God, God still shows Moses that it's not based upon Moses, but it's based upon God, what he wants to do. Exodus 3.13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? When they ask me who you are, what should I tell them? Then he replies in verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what I want you to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. I am has sent me to you. Tell them my name is I am. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. My name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. I am. What a strange way to tell somebody your name. He says, I am. And I am comes from a, from a, a Hebrew verb, to, means to be, to become. In other words, he is the self-existent one who always was, 
who is and who always will be. He is the faithful, he is the dependable God, and he calls himself I am. Self-existent one. Catch that. That means that God says, I don't need anything else for my existence. I don't need my creation to be who I am. I don't need anything else to happen for me to be who I am. He always was. Before creation, he was. Uh, He is. He always will be. And aren't you thankful for that? Because that means you have a God that is with you now, and he is alive today. He is here now. He is not the God only of the past. He is the God who was with Moses, and he is the God who is with you, and he is the God who will be with us in the future. He is the self-existent one. He is the I am. And so after Paul had an encounter, you know, the apostle Paul had an encounter with God. And it changed the way that he saw himself. He, he, his whole life changed. He took a radical different turn. Uh, when, when, you, when you encounter God, you're going you're gonna to find that God is greater than your obstacles. You're going to find that God is greater than your insecurities. You're going to find out that God is greater than your needs. He's greater than all of your problems. And as Paul said in Philippians 3.10, he said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Folks, this, this is where the tension comes. Whenever we come before God, we see, we see the sufferings, and, uh, and then we think that God's not working somehow. As we look at this today, as we look at the bread of life, I want to share with you just how exciting it is to understand what it really means, the bread of life. So when you're thinking about bread, I want you to uh, think about the Food Channel. Anybody ever watch the Food Channel? Raise your hand. Okay, the rest of you are lying, right? Yeah, so we've all looked at the Food Channel, and, and you see this guy comes up there, right? And a guy comes out, and, and he has these competitions. And, uh, and he'll go out, and he'll eat these uh, big meals, you know? I think the guy's name is Adam Richman, and he goes out, and he'll, he'll get this gigantic meal. He'll eat all these crazy, absurd foods. And you know what's, what's kind of wild is by the next episode, he's hungry again. Have you ever noticed that? He's ready to eat again. I remember doing some crazy things as, uh, as teenagers here in the church and doing some crazy things when, uh, with teenagers here. I remember certainly there was a number of food challenges through the years. Uh, back in my day, if you said all-you-can-eat pizza, the, the, the place was full. I mean, that was just a big deal in the 80s. Now, you say all-you-can-eat pizza, and they say, well, we do that all the time, right? But all-you-can-eat pizza, and listen, this wasn't even very good pizza. It was Billy Boy's Pizza. And, and they stacked it on top of each other, right? It was just, you know, it was, uh, those frozen pizzas, they stacked them one on top of each other. I mean, if you got the top one, you had cheese on the top and cheese on the bottom. It was great. Next guy had no cheese at all. And it was, you know, and so we would have these competitions. I remember being in this room here. We had a, we had a speaker come in, and, and, uh, and it was, the place was filled with teenagers, kind of like their March Madness that they're going to do. But for that, in my day, it was a little bit simpler. Just had pizza, and we all showed up, right? And, uh, and so we, we, had, uh, we had a lot of fun. But I'll tell you what, I remember coming, and my friends would have 12 and 15 slices of pizza. Uh, it was quite, quite the quite kind of fun friends I had, all right? So, you know, they, they would go through this competition. They would eat these pizza like crazy. And then six hours later, they're hungry again. Uh, the next day, you're hungry. Now, listen, you eat 15 slices of pizza. You shouldn't be hungry for about a month, right? These guys were hungry, man. On the way home, they wanted ice cream. It was nuts. And, and so, so this, this is what happens. When we come and we eat food... Where you get hungry again, and, and so it's like we're, you know, we, we eat and we got to come right back. We're going to find out when Jesus said that I am the bread of the life, the bread of life. He's saying 
that not only is he God, he's saying, I am. Catch the I am. So he's connecting himself all the way back to the burning bush. He says, I am. I am the bread of life. You're going to find out that the I am is the only thing that will satisfy your soul. And it's so powerful. And as you start to look at it, you know, sometimes we catch a verse here, we catch a verse there. I want to give you the context that Jesus said that I am the bread of life. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous sign that he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for those people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already knew uh, what was going to go on, what he had in mind, what he was going to do. I want you to catch this. This would be like, um, you know, here, here's all these people gathering. And, and Jesus sees that he's going to be teaching long, and he knows that people won't go long without food. So he wants to help their soul. He wants to give them something, but he realizes that at just the time of the day, if he doesn't give them food, they're not going to stick around very long. And, uh, and so he looks over, and he says, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? Yeah, that'd be like me going over to to Luke this morning saying, hey, you know what? I'm feeling a little long-winded today. Some of you said, what's new, right? It's, I'm feeling a little long-winded today. I think we're going to go to about two o'clock in church. Could you get some food for everybody? Could you just see what Luke's face would be doing? Eyeballs would be spinning in the back, right? You, you could just see, I, I get the whole staff together and say, hey, you know what, guys, it's 1030. I just got done with the first service, but I think I'm going to go to about two o'clock on the next service. Can you get food for everybody? They'd be scrambling, saying, you lost your mind, right? Same type of situation here. Jesus comes, and he already knows what he's doing, but he says to Philip, hey, where can we buy food for all these people? Which, by the way, we're going to find out in just a moment here. It's 5,000 men. They counted the crowd by the men. So there was 5,000, you could say, 5,000 men plus women plus children. There were, well, close to 10,000 people or more possibly but we know there were at least 5,000 men in the crowd. And so he comes up to him, and Philip answers him, verse 7. Philip says, eight months' wages would not be enough bread, (laughs) would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. We could work for eight months, and we wouldn't have enough money to buy everybody one bite of bread. What are you talking about? In other words, he's saying, are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? What, what, What are you thinking here? Uh, verse, uh, verse 8, and another disciple, Andrew, this was Simon Peter's brother, he spoke up. He said, here's a boy with five small barter loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? How far will this go? He, he, you know, in, in other words, he's saying, he's saying, well, you know, we got this little bit of food, but I don't know what you're going to do with that. that this, won't, this won't help anybody. And I want you to remember that because five small loaves and two small fish... God's about to perform a miracle, and the lesson that you can draw from that is that, listen, little is much in the hand of God. God's never looking at the amount of what we have to give. He's looking at what he is going to do with what you're going to give him. You're going to give him your time, your talent, your treasure. And God says, look, just give it to me. I'll multiply it. I'm going to do what what only I can do. 
uh, as we continue here, verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place, and the men sat down. So they're on this magnanimous hillside. 5,000 people sat down, about 5,000 of them. And Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were, see- who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke say that whenever he blessed the food, that he lifted it up into the air and he gave thanks. He blessed it. So whenever he did that, he was showing the crowd that he was from God and he was showing that God is the provider. And, uh, and, you know, and can you just imagine the scene? There's 5,000 plus people here. It's a crowd. They're hungry. Um, and, and Jesus has one little meal. A little boy goes to the market, and he's got five loaves of bread, and he's got two fish. His mother was waiting for him to get home, and he never made it home yet. And, he's, and, and he says, okay, God, uh, here, I guess Jesus needs it. He can do whatever he wants with it, but he's not, has no clue. He has no comprehension. The disciples had no comprehension what Jesus was doing. This was so far out of what they could even imagine. It was it was their wildest dreams. It didn't even come into their wildest dream that they could see God feed 5,000 people with a measly little five loaves of bread and two fish. So God takes it and he, does, he blesses it and he hands it out and he goes upon and he gives it out to the crowd. And it's a very powerful word. He gives them as much as they wanted. He didn't say, you know, everybody be careful. I hope there's enough. He said, take as much as you want, enjoy the day. You want to talk about fish fry? He had it going, right? I mean, this was like awesome. He, he was, you know, this was no little communion fish fry, you know? Didn't have, you know, how we give the communion, that little square piece of thing. He, they were having sandwiches, man, fish sandwiches. It was, it was a powerful day. Uh, when they had, verse 12, when they had all had enough to eat, he said to the, to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and they filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. So in other words, God performs a miracle here. You and I, we think that five plus two equals seven, but in God's economy, five plus two equals 5,000 with a remainder of 12. Isn't that powerful? You know, there's a remainder of 12 baskets. I mean, these are not like little baskets like we would take the offering in. I'm thinking big, giant baskets that are standing about three feet tall off the ground, and they're just filled. When you, and you just see this bread hanging out. You see this fish everywhere, and, and, and there's 12 of them. I mean, it wasn't like one. There, there's 12 left over. And so there's an abundance, and everybody was full, and Jesus was able to teach that day. And it was really powerful because as he's teaching... The people are learning more and more about who he is. They're seeing the message. Well, what happened that day? As you continue to read in John chapter 6, Jesus gets alone. He, uh, the, the people were, they wanted to crown him the king. And so as that pressure was mounting, scholars believe that this was about the two-year mark in his ministry, okay? There were, uh, there, there's three years in Jesus' public ministry. This was right about the two-year mark. So he had a, he had a pretty sizable crowd, you know, 5,000 people 
plus coming at the large group settings. He had his 12 disciples. He had the 70 disciples. You see all these different numbers all over the, all over the scripture there. And, uh, and so as he does this, the, the, the uh, general population was ready to crown him the king. And he knew that he had to go to the cross first. He knew that he couldn't become the king first before he went to the cross. And as you go through and you study Isaiah, you see all the prophecies that were predicted that, that we would have a suffering servant before we have the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So Jesus knew the journey ahead of him. So he takes this moment and he slides out and he goes to the mountain. And as he goes into the mountain, I can only imagine that he spends time with God the Father. He's, uh, he, God the Father and God the Son are, are getting caught up. And he's, he's saying, saying, wow, God, God, my Father, thank you. That was pretty awesome. All that fish, all that bread left over. And just, just having this communion with God. And God's, him and, him and uh, God the Father and God the Son are having this wonderful talk up in the mountain. In the meantime, the, uh, the disciples have gone away by themselves. You can imagine it was a busy day. They were, they, they, they were surprised. They were stunned. They, they had never seen power like this before. Well, seven, eight, nine hours later, they're out in a boat, and they're on the sea, and all of a sudden, the storm starts to whip up a little bit. And as the storm whips up, they get afraid. And they had just saw Jesus perform this big miracle. One of the, one of the gospel writers accounts that, that as they went out there, that, uh, that they didn't have insight they missed it. They missed that Jesus had done this, that Jesus had done this great miracle and that, that he can do anything for them, that he could be with them. And so when the storm came, they went into fear mode. They went into panic mode. And so here they are. They're out in the, out in the, out in the boat. And then they see somebody coming on the water and they're not even sure that it's him at first. And then when they realize it's Jesus, they bring him into the boat and immediately Jesus calms the storm and takes their boat to the destination. Immediately, the scripture says, they make it to their destination. God takes care of them. And, but yet they missed it. They were with Jesus and, and they watched him. And, you know, may, sometimes you say, wow, wouldn't that have been cool to have been there when Jesus performed these miracles? Well, like if Jesus would walk in here today and, and would do a miracle like that, wonder what would happen in our community. Would people become followers of Christ and, and here were the 12 disciples. They saw him and they missed it. They missed it. And the next day, Jesus comes back on the shore, him and his disciples, and the people begin to question him. Hey, where did you go? We noticed you, you left, but now we notice you're out in that boat. There was only one boat out there. And, and they go through all this questioning. And look what Jesus says to them here. This is so powerful. Jesus responds to the questioning in verse 26. He says, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your full. In other words, he says, you, you didn't want to see a miraculous sign that I am. You missed it. You want more fish. You want more bread. You ate that and you thought it was so good and you want more. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. You know what he's telling us here? He says, I want a relationship. For you and I, Jesus wants a relationship that goes through the good and through the bad. You see, God does miracles, folks. He, he he takes five loaves, 
and two fish, and he feeds 5,000 people. He does incredible things that, that we have witnessed. And in your life, you can say, you can go back and you can point to the hand of God and you see when God did some incredible things. But maybe right now you're not seeing those miracles. And maybe right now you're going through a tough season and, and God's working, but you can't see him working. As a matter of fact, you may be almost given up because you think he's not working. God says, I want you to love me for who I am. Not because I gave you something. Oh, you know, it's easy to love for the gifts, isn't it? It really is. It's easy to love for the gifts, for the miracles, for all the good things that he gives. And he says, look, he says, I want you, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. And, and so, you know, he, over in the book of John, he says, Jesus said that, that there's coming a time when those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we don't serve because of what we can get from him. We serve him because we love him. Our God wants to work miracles in our lives. Our God is not entertained by watching you suffer. He's not entertained by watching you struggle. But I want you to know this, that that struggle that you're going through, you can only see this. But God has heaven's view. And he's working. And may I share this with you, that God redeems what he allows. There are things in your life that you're struggling with, and I want you to know that this morning. God redeems what he allows. And as you're working through life and you're working through the pain, and listen, I know because I carry burdens and you carry burdens, and there's things that are breaking our hearts in this world, breaking our hearts in our families, breaking our hearts in our communities. And as, as all these things are happening, I want you to know that God is not done working yet. God is moving in a powerful way, in a way that you do not even know yet. And so, and so as, as we know that, I want to I invite you to become a follower of Christ in the good times and in the bad times, and not to work for food that spoils. See, these people were coming. They wanted the miracles. They wanted this. They wanted more, more fish sandwich. That's the Pittsburgh version, right? A fish sandwich. Um, look here, verse 28. Then they asked him, well, what must we do? To do the work that God requires. That's a great question, isn't it? He says, do not work for food, but work for, for the things that are of eternal value, right? He says, well, what must we do to do the works? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe. That's it. To believe in the one that, has, that he has sent. That's it. Our work is to believe. And so, you know, this is a powerful question and a powerful answer because action does not lead to faith. Faith leads to action. Action does not lead to faith. Faith leads to action. As you're plowing through life, you know what, I've had many people tell me that, you know, if they're, they're trying to produce a good work in their life and they hope that God is pleased with a good work in their life. So I want to encourage you. God is pleased with the cross, what Jesus did on the cross. That's what he's pleased with. When we come and offer him our good works, that's not what pleases him. He took care of it all on the cross. Jesus died on the cross once for all forever. And so when you come, you don't come and offer God your actions. You come and put your faith in your God. And then God produces these actions in your life. The book of James says that faith without works is dead. And that is so true. Faith without works is dead. In other words, if you have faith, 
God is going to produce in your life. You go back to Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Verse 10 continues, for we are God's workmanship, created to do the good works that he has planned in advance for us to do. In other words, God has a plan and he has a purpose for each one of our lives. And as you look, and, and you're looking at your passion, God has given you a passion and a place. You, you, have a, you have a group of people that you will reach that I will never reach. I may never even speak to the people in your life. God has placed you there to reach them. I have people in my life that you may never see, you may never meet, because we all have a place, we all have a passion, and God has gifted us all differently, and he wants you to go out into our community, and he wants you to, to, to respond in faith, faith to who he is, and let him produce the action. And that's what's really powerful because the, our action is to, our faith is to believe on him. But you cannot separate faith from action, but you cannot put action before faith. You see, faith requires action. So as you have faith, God's going to lead you. You're going to go do some things. For example, a marriage takes some, uh, sometimes you have to act first and then feelings will come. You know, I, I don't wake up every day and say, I'm just so happy to be married today. And maybe you do, but that doesn't happen. I mean, my wife probably does, but I don't, right? You know, She just looks at me and says, that's my mess of a man. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, it takes action first. You have to brush your teeth. You have to get a shower, right? There's a little bit of action. We start getting things moving. Um, if you're going to have your finances, you're going to work on your finances. It's not easy working on your finances. It's hard work. But as you do that, you, you have faith that you have a plan and you work it and watch what God does. Uh, young people, finding a godly mate. You could be stressed looking for a godly mate as a young person. And you could be stressed and worried and doing everything you can and, 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 and losing your mind. In the meantime, God wants you to just start growing to be the person that you are called to be. You see... We have faith that God said who he is. We have faith that God will work in our life. And then we have the action. We follow through with what he's told us to do. So we obey his word. Uh, as we consider what real hunger, uh, what we really hunger for, and how God meets the need this morning, let's look at how Jesus responds to these people. Verse 30. So they asked him, what miraculous signs will you give that we may see it and believe you? What sign are you going to give us? We, we want to believe, but we need a little bit of help here. What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. He's referring to when Moses was in the, in the, in the desert, the children of Israel, and they had no food. They had, they had just been freed out of Egypt. They're in the desert, and they're wandering for 40 years, and they have no food. And God says, I'm going to provide, and he provides us food. It's bread from heaven. It was manna. They didn't even know what to call it. Manna means what is it? So God does this provision and he provides. And he, had, he told them every day, he says, go out and get enough for your family for one day. That's it. And the only day they were allowed to get a double portion was the day before, Passover, uh, before Sabbath. And so, because that was the day of rest. They, he didn't want them working on their Sabbath day. So he says, look, I'm going to be your provider. There will always be food. Just trust me. I got this covered. I will always provide for you. And he does. And so they were referring that the crowd is referring. The people are saying, hey, um, you know, 
He gave, he gave he- bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. It wasn't Moses, it was my Father. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. I am. It was I am who gave that bread back there. And I am today. I am the bread of life. It's me. If you come to me, who who comes to me will never be hungry again. They couldn't understand it because you had to go out every day and get your manna. Jesus says, if you come to me, you'll never be hungry again. I'll satisfy you. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. Folks, only Jesus can satisfy. Only Jesus can satisfy. He says, I am the bread of life. You ever get around homemade bread? When I was a kid, we walked up, up the street from us. There was a bakery, Potomac Bakery. And I'll never forget the smell of homemade bread. Is there anything better than the smell of homemade bread? I mean, it's just like that. You could just smell. It's like fog going down Potomac Avenue up there. I wanted to butter the air, man. It was just delicious, you know? You go out there and you eat that bread. You ever go to a good Italian restaurant and they bring out nice hot bread? Man, you just eat that. You don't even need the meal. You just keep eating that bread. You smother the butter everywhere, right? You eat that bread. Jesus says, listen, I am the bread. I am essential for your life. I am, the, uh, you cannot have life without me. This is the bare necessities of life. You cannot make it without me. And furthermore, when you do have me, you will never be hungry again. That warmth, that good smell, that is who he is. And he says, listen, I have given you it all. And for those of you that are gluten-free people, go over to Ezekiel 4 and 9, and you'll find the recipe for Ezekiel bread, Okay. Or you can just go and buy it in a grocery store. But uh, Ezekiel 4.9, it's in the freezer section. Pretty powerful. Next time you go by that gluten section, look it up and you'll see it there. But listen, I want, I want to encourage you. We have a lot of different ways you can identify yourself. You can identify yourself by your hobby, by being a runner or a musician, by physical characteristics. You could say I have you know, black hair, blonde hair, no hair. You can, uh, you can just go in, you can fill it out. You can say, I'm a Democrat, Republican, I'm an independent. You can say all the above. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am all that you will ever need. And there's a few things I want you to catch here. As we see this, God does exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. Ephesians 3.20 Paul said, now, him, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God hears you when you pray and he sees the big story. He sees the big picture. And as he's looking at the big picture, I want to encourage you today because he is at work when you think he's not working. 
And, the, you know, here was the crowd, and the little boy has five loaves and two fish, and he hands it to God, and nobody had a clue. It was in, not even in their wildest dreams that he would have ever divided that up for 5,000 people and that they would have all that they wanted to eat and that there would be 12 basketfuls left over. No clue. God is working when you cannot. He made sure, God made sure there were leftovers. The leftovers is one of the key parts of that miracle. He wanted, he wanted to, he, look, it, it shows us his character. He is exceedingly abundantly more than what you could ask or think. Uh, also, our basic needs. I see here this morning that our basic needs are no problem for God. How much time do we spend uh, toiling over the basic needs of life and worrying and fretting? But, but God says he is the only one that can satisfy. Only Jesus can satisfy he has the focus. His focus was to feed you spiritually. See, he does the miracles, but he really wants to feed you spiritually. That's the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is a heart that's been changed by God. The greatest miracle is a soul that no longer is going to go to hell, but is going to go to heaven because of what Jesus did on that cross. And so today, as we close, I, I want to I ask you this question. I want you to think about this we have the satisfaction. But your friends, you, 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 Jesus has satisfied your soul. But your friends, I want to I share this with you. Your friends are saying this. I can't get no satisfaction. Because I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried. All right, that's what your friends are saying. Do you catch it? They can't get satisfaction. You know why? Because the stuff that they're taking of will not produce it. And you're sitting here this morning, and you've got the bread of life. And God says, I put people in your place where you work. Maybe they're in your house. Maybe they're your neighbors. Maybe they're the people that you care the most about. Or they're just people in, in general that you know of. And God says, they ain't got no satisfaction. But I can meet their need. I'm looking across this church today. And I see people who are sitting in this church right now this morning. Who were not satisfied. And somebody in this church put their arm around them and said, hey, give it a try. They said, hey, I tasted it once, and I'm satisfied. Once you come eat of the bread of life. You know, there's numbers all throughout the Bible. You see 5,000 in this story. You see the 12 disciples. You see five loaves, two fish. But there's a number that is so important. And I want you to catch this number. Over in Luke chapter 15, God said that there's more joy in heaven over one sinner that comes to God. One. He was talking about the, the sheep. He said there were 99 sheep over here and the good shepherd left the 99 to go over and get the one. And he said, I tell you the truth. There were three different stories that he uses to illustrate it. He says, I tell you the truth. There's more joy in heaven over the one than the 99. Folks, I want to ask you this morning, who's your one? 
God has placed people in all of our life. And I want to ask us as a church, if everybody will pray for one. It's the most important part, the most important number in the Bible. He says, one sinner. I want to invite you. God has given you a ministry that he hasn't given me. Your friends, the people where you recreate, the people where you go to school, God has placed you among these people. Who will be that person that you can just write down the name? And here's three things I'm going to ask you to pray for. Number one, I'm going to ask you to pray that they would come to God. And let's just, as a church, start putting that down. I'm going to ask you this question for weeks to come. This is going to be our theme for the rest of the year. Who's your one? And let's go out and let's give them the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. So who's your one? As you leave today, I'm going to give you a bookmark. I'm going to ask you to write that name on a bookmark. Put it in your Bible and pray. Pray every day. Pray three things. Number one, who is my one? Put that name in there. Pray for them to come to Christ. Number two, pray for an opportunity to share Jesus with them. And number three, pray for the confidence to step up when God creates the opportunity. Many times we hear the opportunity, but we just kind of say, ah, maybe not today. Let's take it and let's go. On this bookmark, there's, there's 30 verses. You're going to have to look them up online. You go onto our website, you can see it. It's all a lot more clear. I'm going to ask you to go to our website and there's a place that says, who's your one? You keep clicking through there and it'll have a place for you to put the first name. And we're going to pray for him as a staff. I'm going to ask our staff and and our prayer team up here at the church. We're going to pray for your ones. But catch this. Could you imagine? There's five, six hundred people call this church home. And as we who are satisfied go out from here and we pray for one. Could you imagine what God can do in this community by you saying, God, I have been satisfied. Help me. Help my neighbor. Help Johnny. Help Susie, Lord. Help them that they may be satisfied too. God, give me the opportunity. Give me the grace to do it. Who's your one? Jesus cared about the 99, but he went after the one. And so you know what that tells me about our church? I love the 99. I love when we get together and we sing worship songs and and I'm moved with tears. But God says... His tears are for the one out there that has never heard these songs. His tears are for the one in your neighborhood, the one that's living in your house, the one that's living down the street that, that, that needs to be satisfied because they've tried and they've tried and they've tried and they can't get no satisfaction. But Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I will give them everything that they need. And so I want to invite you this morning to this kind of Jesus. Who's your one? Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Ken, I've, I need to trust Christ. I want to invite him into my life this morning. Maybe you've been coming to church for a long time. Or maybe today's your first day. It doesn't matter. But maybe God's spoken to you. I want to invite you to trust Jesus this morning. If that's you, would you just quietly... Every head bowed and eye closed, no one looking around. Would you just pray a prayer, something like this with me? Just pray, dear God, I come before you and I admit that I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. And I believe you today.
just like you said in your word, you said to believe. God, I'm putting my trust on you. I believe you. And I invite you into my heart right now. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you this morning, you say, Pastor Ken, I prayed to open my heart to Christ today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I'd like to remember you in a closing prayer. Just slip it up and down. God bless you. Are there others? God bless you. Are there others? Just all over this place, God bless you. Are there others? Just slip it up and down. God's moving all over this place. God bless you. Are there others? Man, God is moving in this place. There is joy in heaven right now over these folks that have just trusted Jesus. Man, can we respond in joy this morning? Just thank God for what he's doing. There's joy in heaven. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, let me pray for those folks right now. And then I also want to pray for each one of you for your one. Will you, will you go home and in the next day or two, pray for your one and, and put that one, put it on our website. It, it'll just go in, not your name, just their first name. Uh, we won't be able to identify them outside of a name. And we're, we're just going to pray. Nobody's going to contact anybody. We're just going to pray. And this is your ministry. God's called you to be a disciple who makes disciples. So I want to encourage you and let's pray together. Father God, we come before you and we are rejoicing this morning, Lord. Several people in our service today, four or five people, Lord, opened their hearts and trusted you. Lord, we are rejoicing with you. There's more joy in heaven right now than anything else that we've done all morning long, than in any of the praise songs. There's more joy in heaven when somebody opened their heart to God Almighty. And Lord, we thank you and we rejoice with you and say thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to be a part of this process. God, I pray now for each one. I pray each one who's opened their heart, Lord, would this be the beginning of a relationship with you that will transform their lives. God, would you, would you be the bread of life to them? Would you transform their heart and their soul and may they get what they really need because you are the author and sustainer of our life. God, thank you so much. Lord, I pray also for everyone in here, Lord, we all have somebody. We have more than one, but Lord, we're gonna start with one because you said there's more joy in heaven over the one who comes to know you than anything else that we do. There's more joy there. And so, God, I pray right now that you'll give each one of us that focus, Lord. Each one of those names, Lord, that you're laying on the hearts of our people. God, transform our community. Let us see your power at work. Lord, you can satisfy our friends, our neighbors, our people without you. They are missing it because they're going to temporal things for satisfaction. And only you can meet those needs. So, God, I lift them all up to you. God, I commission your disciples as they leave this place, Lord. I commission them. We send this church out to you, Lord, to go out and make disciples this week, to pray and to be focused on those ones as we focus on you, the bread of life. God, be praised in this place. In your name we pray. Amen. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Let's thank our great God. What a great God we serve. So I'll stand together and be dismissed. And sorry, folks, I do not have bread today on the way out.